Revolting is produced by the Cycling Independent, with the support of subscribers like you and additional underwriting from Shimano North America. We are community-focused, community-supported, and dedicated to the whole of cycling. Always remember, at the Cycling Independent, if you ride bikes, you're one of us. This is Revolting with steve and Robot on the Cycling Independent, episode 26. I see you are also wearing a black t-shirt. Content warning. We're obligated to tell you before we start that this podcast contemplates both mature and immature themes. You might not like all the words we use or the ideas we bring up. If you're sensitive about these things, maybe this isn't the podcast for you. It's okay. We still love you. So that is to say that we might talk about religion, which is a hot-button subject. We might talk about politics, which is a hot-button subject. We might say bad words. I suppose at this point, what is this, the 26th episode? Yeah. You've probably you've probably uh, listened to some of this and you have some idea about what we do. And if you if you don't like it, you're not here anyway. So. But we are we legally obligated to say those things? I, no, I think it's just a... Uh, I don't know if we're legally obligated. I think it's a courtesy thing. You uh, know, we're going we're gonna to say bad words. We're going to talk about um, poop, probably. Somebody might just happen across this and think to themselves, Oh, a bicycle podcast. I'm going to give this a go. That's right. But then find themselves knee-deep in immaturity. Right. They might hear me ask you, if if man is, is created in God's image, does that mean that God's poop smells really bad for like 20 minutes? <laughs> nah. No. Definitely not. Well, you uh-huh. know, <clears throat> being part of being all powerful is that, you know, you can, you, you don't even probably don't even have to take on nourishment. You know what I mean? Like, remember when I was a kid, somebody was like, God is, God is all powerful. Uh, then can they create a rock that is too yeah, heavy right, for them right. to lift or whatever? And, you know, I'm right. sure they they read that in a book or something or their older yeah. brother told them that scenario. And that was just like, whoa, that's <laughs> heavy. And it was probably around that time that I realized that <clears throat> mankind's greatest issue is ego. And of course, the all powerful looks like a giant human. <laughs> right. Don't give me a fucking break. Right. Anyhow, so um yeah. What's what's today's episode about? This episode is about t-shirts. <laughs> uh and if that seems dumb to you, then clearly you've not listened to this podcast before. <laughs> uh yeah, okay. So it is uh t-shirts but- are great they are great well thanks for joining us again uh, <laughs> um so but before we get to talk about uh t-shirts which everyone is dying to hear about uh we have to do music pick of the week oh yeah one, one don't do this thing that you do where you're like this band oh and also this band and that <laughs> other band just well, do one okay that's good because i i did wake up this morning and um and I was kind of think to, to, uh, literally, yeah, okay. So Robot and I are on on opposite ends of the time zone in the country of America, right? And generally, I wake up and I am feeling pretty bright eyed and bushy tailed. Um, not always, but eighty percent of the time. And this morning I woke up like minutes before we were supposed to start recording. So I have now been awake for seven, 16 minutes, I think. Oh, I think, I think this is how you do, we get to your best stuff. <laughs> like that scene in old school where Will Ferrell blacks out and wins the debate contest, <laughs> or, you know, or wins the debate. And then, it, and then it like 
snaps out of it and doesn't know what happened. Right. I just, I'm on autopilot right now. I have no idea what I'm talking about. So yeah, thinking about music, I immediately was like, okay, I got fucking two minutes to go like finger through my records. And I just got this one record and I know what it looks like, but I don't know what it's called. And I don't know where it is because my records are just in a total shambles right now. Um, But I was recently listening to a band again that I discovered a couple of years ago called Black Pistol Fire. And they're a two-piece from Austin. I think they originally grew up in Canada and then ended up in Texas. And they are real kind of dirgy blues rock, kind of a la uh, Black Keys, but without all of the Chevy commercials. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And the drummer is super funny. He reminds me kind of of that what was that guy's name jim he was the guitarist in faith no more he had the dumb glasses and the huge hair like the big curly hair yeah so he has hair like that like he's like he's like 45 percent long curly hair and he wears shoes and like henry rollins style jogging shorts and Uh and gloves oh sweet yeah just like he's almost about as naked as you can legally be and he's just a ripper. So hmm. those, yeah, Black Pistol Fire. I think that's probably my pick this week. All right. Uh, this week I'm going to pick, and I'll tell you in, I'm going to, I thought you were going to pick a different band. And I was like, oh, sh- we're going to pick the same band. So I had to do, I had to think about oh. a second band. But the band I'm going to pick this week uh, is Bitter Branches. Oh, <laughs> but yeah, they did cross my they did cross my mind for sure. They're they're really good. Yeah, I like them a lot. Uh, yeah. Did, so where did you? How do you know about them? From the internet. Oh, okay. Um, also, um, <clears throat> my friend Chris was in Dead Guy, and Bitter Branches is the project of a dead guy. Okay. Right, I man, that's Tim. I, I think Tim from Dead Guy is the guy, the singer in Bitter Branches, and mm. it, his name might not be Tim. It could be Donald. I don't. I'm very bad about remembering people's names, but uh, my friend Chris is really named Chris. <laughs> my, I, I have a friend named Aaron who seems to know everyone in every band. Uh Aaron Edge, <clears throat> and he knows, he knows, yeah, he knows everyone, and uh, what was it, Tim, Tim Singer, that's right, Tim yeah. Sp- Singer or Tim Springer, well, it might be Tim Springer, good God, this is a this is already a shit show. <laughs> Tim, but his, I mean, as well, I, okay, I don't know. Without doing like a bunch of, without doing a bunch of internet stuff. I, Bitter Branches is a band you should check out. <clears throat> They've got an album coming out soon. They've got a single uh, that's available uh, in places where music gets made, Bandcamp. Um, so, yeah. All right. So, yours was Black Pistol Fire. Yeah. Yeah, and yours is Bitter Branches. And mine is Bitter Branches. I just bought something from them based on, it was, I guess their LP, it was ALP that came out uh, a couple months ago. Black Pistol Fire? No, sorry, uh, Bitter Branches. Oh, okay. Uh, Yeah, the LP uh, called Your Neighbors Are Failures. And I bought it, I mean, I I know the music's going to be amazing, but the... uh, the cover art is fucking sick. It's like a a cross between Jason Yeagle and Raymond Pettibone and Rick Froberg. Like it's just a really beautiful. It's just a beautiful illustration. So, uh, you know, as as I am uh, apt to do, buying things just based on 
aesthetic appearance and then hoping that it sounds good in this instance i knew it was going to sound good and it looks fucking beautiful so there you go there's our there's our picks for the week that's music for the week all right question number one at what age did you discover that you could say a lot about yourself via a t-shirt uh early early on you know like probably 10 or something i got a uh a bmx action jersey not the mesh jersey i just got the long long sleeve screen printed t-shirt with the it's a white shirt with red stars down the sleeves and it says bmx action in blue mm. and i like i loved that shirt because that told everybody you know i knew immediately that that told everybody what i was about and that offered me some sort of degree of legitimacy i think or i thought mm. um i don't really remember how, how old were you you were t- eight 10 i think 10 you're like 10 and this is what i'm about yeah 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 and i don't remember uh fuck i don't remember anything before that you know like i remember um probably just wore like you know like striped shirts or something i don't remember <laughs> what i wore when i was small something just, that went with your garanimals yeah i just wore whatever clothes were or or you know that my parents would buy for me at the beginning of the school year and then i'd kind of like milk those for a year and then they'd be too small and then i'd go on to the next run but you know in terms of like a matured identity Mm. I think that probably happened around 12 or 13 when I didn't know where a person could get punk rock shirts. Mm. Uh, And so I took, there was a couple of kids that were a grade older than me and they had made their own suicidal tendencies shirts. Mm -hmm. A la the cover of that one suicidal tendencies album where they have the myriad of, hand-drawn suicidal tendency shirts mm-hmm. you know with the uh, various cholo skull pentagram incarnations and some of them were funny like how the fuck does that skull have an earring <laughs> you know like, <laughs> like some of them i was really studied i was being critical of the anatomy uh and then i so then i was like well okay what's this you know what's the suicidal tendencies about and i don't know what year my war came out was that that i'm gonna have no. to go. maybe 84 yeah but black, 82 84 black flags my war whenever that came out i got yeah. it almost immediately how i have no idea maybe like a special order from the little record store in my town or i went to denver to that wax tracks record store and i bought it but i i put a white t-shirt on the album and i drew the raymond pettibone boxed you know boxing glove dude and that was that was my first punk rock shirt and i still have that record and there's still traces of a sharpie that bled through the shirt on the cover of the album wow so that would probably be it and then you know like then once i recognized that or i I realized that wax tracks had punk rock shirts then it was just game on from there i think well i you know i grew up in mobile alabama <clears throat> and none of the stores had that stuff and um but i used to buy stuff from like little mail order catalogs mm-hmm. and i remember getting a mail order catalog with <clears throat> all these t-shirts in it and i was like what I, I forget what age i was but i remember looking through them thinking what you can get t-shirts with all of these bands on them because, like, we grew up in the 70s, right? Um, yes. Or we were little kids in the 70s. Yeah. And, um, you know, like, in the 70s, band t-shirts were not such a thing. I read at some point that that Cheap Trick uh, pioneered that. Like, right. they pioneered the black band shirt. I don't know where I read it, and I've since I Googled it. With the Cheap Trick, like, in that font where it repeats? Maybe, maybe, I don't know. I, I read somewhere Robin Zander was saying that they 
I think it was a Robin Zander interview said that they pioneered the black band shirt Mm. up until that point. Nobody had a black band shirt, but I have to think like, you know, buddy Holly was at one of his shows and singing about run around Sue. And somebody was like, I want a fucking buddy Holly shirt. I want people to know what I listen. You know, I have, I, I, I have no idea, but it, it's plausible, right? Maybe. Uh, maybe it's plausible. I don't think oh. you've harmed history at all in that. We do a lot of it's what harming of science. Yeah. 1984. So, that's when my war was released. It was 1984. Yeah. So I had to Google that. So it was, it was punk rock shirts and skateboard shirts, you know, cause I got into skateboarding around the same time and I saw the guys in the magazines and they had skateboard shirts and you know, I want to know about this. I want, I want what they have. Right. So I didn't yeah. have that stuff. I didn't have that stuff. It was hard to get in Alabama. I didn't have uh, money, so I didn't just order everything all the time. I don't even remember what my first band t-shirt was. I, w- I think I wore a lot of, um, I don't know, there was some weird, like, um, uh, like Hawaii surf cool move, like fashion trend in the 80s. Uh, that got to Alabama somehow and everyone was wearing like, oh, I, oh yeah, I'm a fucking surfer. <laughs> oh, like town, town and country. Yeah. That was a big one. Gordon and Smith. Yeah. GNS or whatever. All those. Yeah. yeah. I think I had some of those that I was like, yeah, this is what I'm about. I was like, I don't even know what this is. But um, it, it, but it was unique. I mean, that's the thing that now that we're talking about it, now that I'm remembering it a little more clearly, because this isn't something that I think about on a regular basis. And it's kind of one of the fun things about having these conversations is it kind of puts me in the way back machine. And I, yeah. I wouldn't, I would, I would maybe momentarily uh, reflect on shirts that I've had or whatever, but, but really the specifics of, of getting a, you know, people, I don't think anybody, and I'm not going to be the old, like, oh, I had to walk to the school bus, you know, uphill t- 10 miles both ways. Things were so much harder when I was a kid. But I don't remember consistently that back then it was fucking hard, if not almost impossible, to get this weird stuff in these little towns. Yeah. There was barely. First, you had to get an issue of Flipside, or you had to get an issue of Thrasher, and now you get that any without even thinking about it, you know. Yeah. But you had to travel and to try to find a place, and there's, you know, I'm sure like where you grew up, there's like one place in the entire state or two places, and figuring out where that is, you got to talk to other kids, and maybe those kids don't want you to know their secret because they want to keep their cool. Yeah. Under wraps, you know? I I think in Alabama, pretty much the cool kids wanted to share the cool stuff because it was very, there was very little of it. Right. Um, And they wanted to grow their cult. um, Yeah. You know, because so many of the, you know, so many of our peers were like, ah, I can't hear uh, Sweet Home Alabama enough times. Put that on again. <laughs> um, or like Jimmy Buffett's music is funny. Um, and so for those of us who were like, kill me if you play that again. Uh, and who were trying to like find interesting, good music. There was definitely sharing going on. I remember <clears throat> there was a probably my junior year in high school. Some college kids opened this little record store and it was like. Uh, the size of a walk-in closet (laughs) but you could go there and it was like instead of going to like the big record store that had you know you might find like a little section of records like two inches thick that you were interested in um this one was like oh my god like every record here i want to buy and so there was like a little um there was a little renaissance uh, there before I came to Boston. But then when I arrived in Boston, I was like, I couldn't, there was not n- enough money in the world to catch up my record collection up to all the, the stuff that was available. And how amazing was it that, you know, you up until that point, you had an inkling that this stuff existed 
And then you found yourself sort of entrenched in, yeah, you know, this perfect, this perfect scenario. Yeah. That's something, that's something that I sort of lose sight of as well. You know, finding your, finding your people, finding your scene, finding acceptance. I don't know. There's a lot, uh, there's a lot associated with that, that I sometimes forget about sort of the power of, you know, or the importance or the impact of back then. Definitely for me moving here from Alabama, there was a, there were a few weeks where I was like a little homesick, where I was like, oh, I was a little overwhelmed. Like moving from Mobile, Alabama to Boston is kind of like a, it was a little bit, a lot. Uh, yeah. But after like three weeks, I was like, oh, <clears throat> nobody here is judging me because nobody here is looking at me because everyone here is just doing their thing. Yeah. And that was like, that was a tremendous feeling of freedom. And then after that happened, then like finding the subcultures, right? Finding the like music or finding the, the bars where you could go or, or all of that stuff was just amazing. And it was like, it was like everywhere. And Boston at that time hadn't been, hadn't been sanitized. Um, the, the like, CD bars where great bands played still existed, and you know what you could year go... was what year was that? That was nineteen eighty nine. Okay, yeah, you. I feel like you and I did a very similar, followed very similar paths on just opposite parts, opposite parts of the country. Yeah, we were sort of in the middle. You were on the right side of the middle, and I was on the left side of the middle. And then yeah. you went to the far right side, and then yeah. I went to the far left side. Yeah, and it was all. It's all. It was all a very similar trajectory. Oh, hey, it's story time with Stevel. When I was eight or nine years old, my mom and dad bought me my first BMX bike. It was a JCPenney Free Spirit. And in time, I went on to put some nice accessories and components on it, like a tough neck stem and CW bars, which just made it sort of the embodiment of putting a nice frame on a shitty painting. One day I was hanging out at the local bike shop, which during the winter was a ski shop. It was a little tiny place run by this guy named Andy. And one day he gave me a 10 inch long die cut Shimano sticker. It was blue. I didn't really know what Shimano was or anything about it, but I put it on my top tube and immediately made the bike 150% cooler. It was around that time that I probably became a lifelong shimano guy so here's a funny thing we started uh, just a second ago i started getting some audio garble on robot side so we had to pause our recording software and relaunch the zoom meeting and then when we both came back we hit record again both of us we've only been doing this now for several months and uh and so we have just been talking to each other for probably 35 minutes and not recording, <laughs> not recording <laughs> any of it. <laughs> so that was the best half hour in the history of the show <laughs> that we just fucking lost. I know. Okay. So we left off, you had moved to Boston and you yeah, had yeah, kind yeah. of found your, you'd found your people. Yeah. I found my people. Uh, <laughs> It's boring now. (laughs) (laughs) No, you know, the revelation when I moved to Boston was uh, that there were enough people like me to support a whole fucking music scene. And there were venues here, there and everywhere in like every goddamn neighborhood where you could go see a great band and and you could open the paper up and be like, oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's like a visceral experience when you see somebody coming to town. You know, if you've got 25 venues to choose from or 20 venues to choose from, there's always going to be something, you know, and it's always exciting. Like, that's what I really loved and missed. And I think we talked about, like, people who grew up in the 60s say that the 60s were the best or the 50s were the best or the 70s were the best or whatever. But for what I like and what I'm into, 
yeah. you know, in terms of art and music and, uh, even, you know, to a degree bike shit and skateboard shit. And I, it was like, that was kind of the, that was kind of the sweet spot for me. Yeah. And it doesn't really, I don't know where we were actually now that we're having a conversation. I don't remember what we recorded, what what we didn't record, but, uh, you know, cities have just kind of become suburbanized and everything's yeah. expensive and normal creatives, normal fucking weirdos that ultimately are kind of the grease of the wheels, you know, used to be able to go to Seattle and everybody was a fucking weirdo and everybody worked and everybody could afford to live. And there was low rent districts and there was the fancy places where the rich people lived. And now it's just everybody. You've got to have money to live in any of these places or you're fucked. So yeah, all the weirdos I, left. I don't know where the fucking weirdos. I don't know what happened. I don't Sitting know what in happened. closets, I guess. When I moved here. So I lived in this uh, little neighborhood of Boston called Alston. Uh, sometimes known as Alston Rock City. And um, I remember there was this one um, business. This woman. I don't know. She was probably in her 30s and seemed older. But she owned a business which was a copy shop. I think it was called Duplicopy. And in the same space, she had another business called Ritual Arts. And so she had this copy shop, but you could also buy like, um, like goth sculpture and um, zines and like uh, the Satanic Bible, like an That's incense. Amazing. Yeah. She's and following so, her passions, you know, she's and, and good for her. And maybe the zine, maybe the zine was the, the zine part was the crossover. Like you can make your zine in this part of my store and sell yeah. your zine in this part of my store. Yeah. And the th her business and her, that business lasted for many years. It wasn't like she opened it up and, and the neighborhood was like, sorry, loser. We don't want a, a bead store here. Mm -hmm. The neighborhood was like, oh, dope photocopies and the satanic bible i'm in yeah and um and there were like there was like this upstairs you would go up these stairs to what used to clearly used to be an apartment and and each of the rooms in the apartment um was a different store so there'd be like a little vintage store and there'd be like um there was like an alternative bookstore, but like places like that were everywhere. Like you could go to Harvard Square and buy like legit uh, anarchist uh, literature and uh, just funky little weird shops and people like dealing in not just stuff, but ideas. Right. And it was it was everywhere. It was like a shitstorm of ideas and weirdness. And you could just kind of walk around and be like, oh, what is, what is this? Well, that's weird. I don't want any part of it. Or like, no, this is my stuff. Yeah. Whereas now you walk around and you're like, fuck, is there not a Starbucks here somewhere? Oh yeah, there is. Of course there is. It's, um, it's almost, I remember hearing a story, I had a, I had an uncle who went to Rome and he ate at McDonald's because that was what he was familiar with. And I was just kind of aghast, even at a young age. Why wouldn't you go to a place that made local? Because he doesn't like change. So change is scary. So everywhere I go, I want exactly the same shit as in the other place. And so chains have, I don't know, recognized this or something. Right. I mean, the last time I was in Berkeley, like downtown Berkeley is kind of boarded up. There's a lot of, a lot of vacancies. Because people don't go to stores, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I hate Amazon. I mean, I fucking hate Amazon. Me too. I, I don't have Amazon Prime. I don't give, they don't have a red fucking cent of my money because they, they're, I will do, I will go out of my way. I will go without, I will go out of my way. Like, I don't give a fuck if I have to rely on Amazon. And that's what I'm most afraid of is that eventually all the stores are going to close and it's going to be the only way if I want a fucking book or I want a bike part or I want a fucking part for my remote control truck 
or skateboard wheels or whatever, I'm going to have to rely on this megalithic fuckwit bullshit fucking parasitic massive overlord retail it's just it's the fucking devil i swear to god and people you know i talked to my mom she's like well i i you know it's it's convenience and she doesn't she's not super mobile my mom says the exact same thing i say the exact same thing and my mom says the exact same thing my friends don't my friends if i say anything about amazon they're like john please don't start because i will I, i i agree with you i think it's the end of all all sanity i think i mean it's it's really easy to you know i'd say like like skateboard parts or whatever and there's okay at the beginning of, uh, here's here's an example people don't even think that you can access retailers now like it's not it's your go-to if you google keyboard skinny keyboard neckties i don't know i'm not looking at one i'm sitting in my club i'm not looking at one that's just the first thing that came to my mind like <laughs> the first thing that comes up is amazon and so people yeah. And, 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 uh, secondarily, like if people want to get some guy ordered some stickers for me and he emailed me and he's like, Hey, they haven't shown up yet. And I looked up his order. And I was like, he placed his order five days ago, which means that I probably didn't send it until three days ago, which means that it is probably getting to you now. But, but people have become so accustomed to, I look at the thing on the internet and it, how come I don't have it already? And right. so for like independent retailers like myself. It takes a fucking minute because I got to go to the post office, you know? Right. But so this kid, I think he ordered a deck from me and he was, I say he was a kid. He's probably, you know, in his twenties or whatever. And he wanted to build it up and he's like, well, my skate, my local skate shops closed. They don't, you know, and I want to buy trucks from them. Um, and, but I don't want to like, I don't want to use Amazon. I'm like, you know, there's, there's a bunch of other ways you can do this you know like independent skate shops are set up to do mail order a lot of them like there's big ones warehouses and they have mail order you don't it's not your independent it's not your local shop or amazon that's not those aren't just the two alternatives you can support an independent business if you can't hit your local shop you can't find one locally find a store that is set up to serve you that's not fucking amazon i mean it was just like right. it it wasn't even part of his scope yeah so ah uh, oh yeah let it okay. out okay breathe two yeah. three four yeah the, the the point here i think is like you gotta resist this massive homogenization that's going on because we're not all the same we're different in fucking magical ways uh, but if you if you throw your lot in with like mega retailers and 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 look, Amazon owns the internet a- anyway. Even if you find your local skate shop to buy from, there the order goes through Amazon Web Services. Some, they, they, sometimes, I mean, yeah. I've experienced that one time. I bought a shoe dryer. Yeah. But if you do like SoCal Skates or Joker Skate Shop or whatever, like you know, there right. are there are some independent shops that just do their own. Shit. Yeah, I'm not saying you shouldn't. I, I, I'm just saying Amazon's going to be fine, everyone. Uh, just shop with as many local people as you can. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. And when I buy band t-shirts, I try to buy them from the band directly. Uh, and if not, then the label. <laughs> Way to circle it back around. Yeah, I tried to. <laughs> that's the hook. That's we the didn't hook even... Shot. We didn't, we didn't even do any of this the last time we thought we were recording. We didn't talk about this stuff at all. No, we uh, went on a real old man rant back and forth where we agreed with each other very hard, I think. <laughs> uh, we were talking, so did I, I don't think I recorded the thing about bike. We were talking about bike shirts and bike oh, shirts yeah, being yeah, yeah. sort the of The transition form of, to, from band shirts to bike shirts. That's good. Yeah, yeah. This is so, a cycling podcast after all. There was, oh, okay, I did mention I was I was a screen printing major. I really liked the art of screen printing. Yes. And I was talking about um, seeing the kids in the future primitive skateboard video and yeah. they had like all of the thrasher screen prints on one shirt um, in this one scene. And there was like the venture trucks logo. And I, you know, in high school, all I wanted was one of those and I couldn't figure out what 
the fuck, how the fuck do you get how one it of existed. these? Where, yeah, where does this come from? And later on figured out that they probably worked at the screen printing shop that did all of high-speed productions, various graphics, and uh, so, be, yeah, it kind of became really interested in the process of screen printing and ultimately ended up working at this clothing store in Berkeley, and they had this huge music merch section. So while I was ordering tons of like mainstream stuff, you know, I think um, Pantera was real big. So I bought a lot of those shirts. There was boatloads of Beastie Boys shirts that I had to contend with. Um, And this salesperson would come in and open these books. And I would say, I want, you know, 15 of these, 20 of these, 20 of these, 20 of these, and 25 of these or whatever. But then she had all these like little side books and I could get this cool shit that, you know, I'd never even seen before. So I had a ton of cool band shirts and my friend Jen Klish worked at a local bike co-op called the missing link. And she had tons of bike shit. So in my limited wisdom, I traded her. She gave me a Synchros shirt and a Richie shirt is a picture like the Richie logo and it was a drawing of Richie's like Tom's fucking welding goggles and a torch and like a big mustache for a first run Metallica Damage Inc. shirt and it was the fucking coolest Metallica shirt that they've ever made and I let that fucking go for a Richie shirt and a Synchro shirt because I just wanted some bike stuff. Do you think she still got that shirt? She wearing uh, that? I don't know. I don't know. I should ask. Pro- maybe she's a uh, yeah, yeah. Jen yeah, Jen, if you Jen, <laughs> hit us up. She's a nurse practitioner. I think that's her title in uh, Sacramento at uh, yeah. Kaiser in Sacramento. So I don't know. Steve and I, between her. the two of us, we have a lot of cool T-shirts. We could swap you back for that thing. <laughs> I'll pitch in. I'll probably get on the internet and see. I'm sure there's probably some store somewhere that has yeah it costs seventeen hundred dollars you watch <laughs> you can ebay that t-shirt it's a you, you could put yourself back through college with it uh, I'll, I'll end up with that i'll end up with that shirt at some point it but through you know through working there and that bike in various bike gigs i've ended up with dozens and dozens of shirts like really cool shirts you know in the time in the decades since and i still have my favorites i have i think i mentioned i have three rubber made bins full of t-shirts in my basement in oakland that i will eventually have to figure out what to do with this is how you and i are different and i and i respect where you're coming from because i love i love my my t-shirts uh but at some point i made this decision that i could not maintain a museum of my own history and so as painful as it is i get rid of t-shirts even ones i like if they're like super played out and i actually like the idea that like um you know i'm gonna put an old horse t-shirt in in goodwill and some dude's gonna be walking around (laughs) some neighborhood somewhere wearing that shirt i enjoy that yeah but in the Uh, bike industry you don't uh, uh as i was saying you don't you don't pay for t-shirts or socks or you you just get them stickers or patches or whatever. That's right. You just receive those. Those are in lieu of an actual living wage. (laughs) (laughs) You get, yeah, you you get poorly clothed. Um, And it's really, I mean, in, in, in my experience, like the stuff that I've gotten from, you know, random companies or whatever like i don't really i don't nothing stands out as being terribly remarkable you know the sock guy like every time i see the the folks from the sock guy they always hook me up with socks and they're they always have super funny designs and they're like you know they're well made and and i'll I'll, i might keep those around i usually give those away because they also make my socks for me and i have i just wear those like those are the only socks i wear so I don't even like I'm I'm straight. I don't need socks. I don't need shirts. I don't need any of this stuff. And if I end up with a bunch of swag, air quote, yeah. as it's yeah. 
sometimes called. Uh, unless something really blows my hair back, I fucking just either don't take it or I give it away immediately. Yeah, I stopped taking it some years ago. Uh, and the thing is, if you work in the bike industry, there's always someone new, some new employee who is like, oh, I want a Shimano t-shirt. Um, yeah. And you're like, great. Have have them all. Um, yeah. And that's not a knock on Shimano. It's just like, there's a limit. Yeah. Well, and we all sort of have only so much room or, you know, especially I, I especially now only have so much room for stuff. So in the, in the last 10 months here, I've bought a pair of cold weather riding shoes, like winter riding shoes and some rain boots, like not big tromp around at a cyclocross race rain boots, but kind of little like three quarter cuff ones. So they're, they're pretty, they're pretty dope. Actually they're insulated. They're like fisherman's boots. Yeah. 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 Um, and, uh, I bought a push broom yesterday. Yeah. So that is all of everything that I have accumulated over the last almost year. That's solid living. That's, you know, that's Henry David Thoreau. That's like uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson levels of self-reliance. I need, I needed a push broom. I've been itching, fucking itching. I haven't been on a skateboard, but like once in the last two months. And I've just been dying to fucking sit in the sun and drink beer and do an occasional something. You know, like I fucking, I'm so goddamn lonely in terms of like skateboard community. Um, and every little spot that I buff out or every little spot that I find has gotten busted like over and over and over. And then I went to this parking lot the other day where this one lonely little parking block sat that I, I rub bricked and then waxed. And I skated there and I was just like me. I'm just hanging out by myself in this fucking vacant lot. And then I went there the other day and a con- new construction project started and it's all covered in dirt. Like there is just no fucking place here. So now I went to the hardware store yesterday and I bought a push broom and I bought two cans of Bondo and I bought a can of spray lacquer. And I am going to. You are 14 years old. God damn it. I'm going to figure something out. I'm going to yeah, find yeah, yeah, something. Yeah. I'm going to make something. I'm just, this is bullshit. I'm tired of this. So, yeah. So I, I, I lied. I have a broom and two cans of Bondo and some spray lacquer, but that stuff's going to go away eventually anyway. Next time you're out and you see a kid uh, with a Thrasher t shirt on, you should tackle him and drag him to your spot. Isn't that how <laughs> you got to make the spot? You can't just sit there. Well, it's kind of for... it's kind of field of dreams sort of thing. You know, if you build it, they will come. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. was spoiled in Oakland because I had this whole community and this whole place that just was like no bust. You know, and it was fucking mm-hmm. great. And I thought I keep trying to figure something like that out here, where you can sit around and you're drinking coffee, and then people come through and you just make friends because that's the spot where everybody goes, and nothing like that exists here yet. But I'm fucking committed. If I'm going to stay here, I got to figure something out. This is driving me. It's driving me nuts. Uh, oh. Okay. Secondarily, total side note. But a few years ago, maybe five years ago, four years ago, I made friends with this guy named Ephraim Lewis. And I met him through Paul Urich, who uh, did all the Nowheresville stuff. Like, he and I have collaborated on some things, and he's an artist, bike rider, skateboarder. And Ephraim manages a screen printing shop in San Francisco that does Thrasher's merchandise. And they do the Golden State Warriors shit and stuff. And I mean, they have huge volumes. And Ephraim offered to do screen printing for me. So he's been doing my shirts for the last bunch of years, you know, and I might order like a couple hundred t-shirts. And he's like, yeah, we're doing like 175,000 Golden State Warrior shirts right now. So you're kind of like in the back (laughs) of the line. But because they do Thrasher stuff, like I've seen, you know, the actual original Thrasher uh, silk screens and stuff, which Uh is super cool. But he's given me a couple of jackets. And shirts over the year that they do test prints on. 
So now, after all these years, I have those obnoxious menagerie of Thrasher prints on a oh, single garment that you I do. longed for so desperately when I was a kid. Yeah. That's sweet. Yeah. I have a t-shirt of yours that I got recently. Uh, it's a it's a very nice shirt. Oh, the um, the Olympia beer ripoff. Yeah. That is a soft fucking shirt, isn't it? It is so soft. And the thing is, I got it and I was like, um, what is it you said? It's like wearing a shirt made of kittens. <laughs> yeah. It is very soft. And then I bought these, I bought these shirts from Relapse Records. Uh, and it's like wearing, it's like a fucking hair shirt. It's like, yeah. uh, in comparison. Yeah. I just, I, I like, had, I had no idea. I just wanted a ringer and Ephraim said this company has them available. Cause you know, uh, production is all choked in every direction and it's hard to get anything. Yeah. But he said, we have these and I said, yeah, let's do it. I had no idea. And they showed up. It's like a shirt that has already been worn. I mean, it's not threadbare, but it's soft, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been washed a million times. It's, it's really so it's really impressive. I didn't even know such technology existed. Yeah, it's like a cashmere t-shirt. Good that, that is an adequate description. Yeah. yeah I can tell really you that Red Fang t-shirts are not like cashmere. No, though I think those are made out of the beards of the dudes <laughs> in the band. Uh, maybe there's a more You know what? Actually, I wore your t-shirt the other day. And it's a white t-shirt, which is perilous for me because I drink a lot of coffee and I'm sloppy <laughs> as fuck. Yeah. And I was, I was wearing it and I looked down, assuming I was going to find some terrible stain, you know, blood. We've talked recently, uh, you and I've talked recently about how often I wake up and my sheets are bloody, yeah. but I was like, ah, oh, there's no blood or coffee on this thing. Yeah. Like, and now I feel almost like it's my tuxedo t-shirt. Yeah. Like I only, I gotta be, I can't just wear it. I gotta be a strategic with it. I f I'd like to make a black version of that shirt too, just so that I have, you know, well-rounded, but I'm upside down on product right now. So I might wait a little while or a black t-shirt with a white cuff and white cuffs and white sleeve cuffs. So it's like real tuxedo-y. Oh, that'd be handsome. Yeah, maybe so. Uh, yeah. T-shirts. I fucking love them. They fucking love them. Solved they it. Express your identity. They are a form of commerce. They uh, are sort of one of the seminal components to your your individual individual uniform of individuality. Um, we both discovered them around the same time. Mm. And, uh, oh, what, what have been your favorite t-shirts of the last 10 years? That's a question we haven't hit yet. Oh yeah. That's question two. Yeah. Um, I have a dirt bomb shirt that looks one, like one that Mick Collins wears. Mick Collins, of course, being the singer in the dirt bombs that it's just a black shirt with big yellow writing that says you are being watched. I love that one. That's I a good one. I love that one. I love it so much that I need a new one because mine is getting pretty thin yeah but yeah probably probably that one oh i don't i think i wrote the question i don't even have an answer i love them all i love What's you know what actually actually mine is um i have a horse <laughs> a horse t-shirt that says whores noise but it's the waffle house logo <laughs> yeah that's my that's my favorite t-shirt the last uh 10 years 10 years though i mean that's a, a decade you'd th think back to 10 years ago where yeah i had a suspicion that you only got that shirt within the last few years right i got that shirt probably five years ago okay four or five years ago i got it at uh at a show oh okay i bought it directly from the whores that's good that's yeah. good. I'm sure they appreciate it and spent their $18 well and wisely. Yeah. The idols have, idols have a whole oh, yes. array of really brilliant merchandise. I love their, I love their shit. I have one that's just a picture of like an Eames chair and it says, support your local scumbag. And then on the <laughs> bot, I think something like that. And then on the top, it says the idols brutalist social club Yeah, or something. Whoever does their, their merch design is 
really it. on point. The idol shirt that I tried to get and they didn't have my size and I, I think I may have lost the opportunity forever. It's the one where it's the picture of a pit and everyone uh, everyone just going crazy in this pit and it says um, we're not fighting, we're dancing. Oh. Do you know that one? No. Yeah. I asked a I asked a, a buddy of mine. It's, I mean, I've not met him personally. He's just like a you know one of my internet friends of a decade. Uh, like most of my friends, apparently I don't have any friends. What are you gesturing? Oh, are you tapping? I can hear you tapping. Oh, I I was fidgeting. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Coming. It's coming through. It's coming through hot. I'm sitting on my hands now. Yeah. Good. Uh, so this guy Brad O. Allen lives in one of the Carolinas, I think, uh, and he's a really amazing graphic designer and he's done a bunch of stuff for me over the years and not very long ago i was looking at uh the idols merch and just thinking i need to change my shit up and i want because it's not none of it is specific to the band really you know what i mean if you looked at it you wouldn't know that it was band merch and that's the thing that i've always really appreciated they're very good at it so I was asking Brado if he would whip me up some cool shit, but he's off like building trails all the time or something. I don't know. Hmm. Living, living in the woods. Living a better life. Probably. I think so. Oh. It seems, seems so from the internet, from gleaning bits and pieces off the internet. Uh, yeah. Anyhow. Let's get to, let's get to this week's would you rather. Yeah. This is a fucking, this one kind of, stuck a finger in my nervous system and wiggled it around a little bit because I think in a way I am doing something like that now. (laughs) So I wrote this one, uh, myself. Um, and then after the, would you rather, I'm going to present you with a scenario that my kid made up, which is really good. Okay. This week's Would You Rather is, would you rather live the rest of your life in a submarine or on a space station? Assuming the rest of my life is going to be, like, not a month. Right. Okay. Let's say you got 20 years. Next 20 years, do you want to live on a submarine or in a, on a space station? Do I have option for visitors? Yeah. So I'll see people. You will see people. Uh, I I think I'd have to go with the ocean, you know, not or like in a submarine, not because necessarily like I have a special attachment to the ocean, but I have a special attachment to the earth. Oh, see, I and would definitely go space station. I feel like that would I feel like you'd lose your shit. I mean, is this a submarine like, like a cool submarine with a lounge in it? And or are you like banging yeah, yeah, your head yeah. every time you walk through? No, no. Let's call it a lifestyle submarine. But okay. you're under the under the sea. Have you seen the Urge Overkill album called Rock and Roll Submarine? It was the last album they put out a no, few I years ago. It. They have a big like cross section of like a rock and roll submarine like it's a big ball and it's seven uh, several stories oh. and spiral staircases and a, <laughs> and a lounge and a venue and a disco and a bar and you know i mean they have all this it's like a submarine you draw when you were 10 years old right they probably did uh yeah if it was if it was an urge overkill rock and roll submarine then i would definitely stick with the submarine i think space station because zero gravity and awesome views that's what I think. Awesome views. But you also, you know, have you ever seen interviews with people who've spent, you know, whatever, 200 days on a space station? Yeah. You kind of start to crack up a little bit. I think I would crack up much earlier in the submarine. I think I'm going to crack up either way. I may be uh, cracking up now in my nice suburban home. <laughs> I just, I wonder what the effect of of being not grounded. You know, you don't have the magnetic 
resonance that the planet provides or you don't yeah. have the centrifugal force of the rotation of the earth or something i feel like there's something specific to humans existence that comes from being on a planet being on a on a planet hmm. yeah well, we're gonna have to agree to disagree on this one which i you, like you are wrong yes and as are you i uh, like it as always <laughs> i am right so here's the scenario my kid spun out at dinner one night, I don't know, maybe a month ago. You meet with a um a an alien visitor to the planet. This alien visitor is going to meet with every human. This being can confer superpowers on you. And so you have to tell them what powers you want. The catch is if any of the other 8 billion people on the planet, I don't know how many billion people there are, request the exact same powers, then you don't get any. And neither does that person. So if you're like, oh, I would fly. You're, forget flying. Of you're not going to fly. Okay. So you get a superpower, but it's got to be one that only you would think of and request. What mm. would you What would you ask the being for? That's a good one. Um, it would be what immediately jumps out at me is it would be the power to influence people to just be fucking nicer to each other, <laughs> and. That by itself is not one that would be so unique, I don't think. So it would have to be like influenced by like my specific genetic code. So it's mm. something that I could only be in possession of. It's not necessarily the request as much as it is the requester. I think you're gaming the system. You're like, <laughs> yeah, oh, the genie gave me three wishes and I wished for infinite wishes first. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you're stuck on three things or stuck yeah. on a, a helicopter with three things, what would it be? A helicopter, a helicopter pilot and a bag full of money. Boom. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> we spent most of dinner discussing this and I was like. I was like, I want to be able to jump to the moon on Thursdays. Yeah. You know, I was like, yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a, ah, that's a great one. Uh, if I wasn't allowed the genetic code thing, then I, then it would be something like it would be a specific combination of words that only I knew, Oh, you know, like a secret, secret code or a uh, uh, spell or something, you know what I mean? Yeah, I think the I think the alien being would hear about a hundred human requests for superpowers and be like, y "Your species is a fucking waste. I'm out of here." Yeah, I want a giant dick and roller <laughs> feet. What? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously? No, I I would have to I would have to do something that's you know for the betterment of humankind and i don't know oh. if, with all of 15 seconds to contemplate this question that's the best thing that i could come up with but all right maybe 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 think about it we'll maybe we'll circle back to this one. but anyway yeah all right outro 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 thanks for listening to revolting <laughs> if you have questions for us outro or topics you'd like us to pontificate on Email me at stevel at cyclingindependent.com. If you like this or any of the other fun things you find on the Cycling Independent website, please consider a voluntary paid prescription. It's currently the only way we have to pay ourselves. You see? Like, if you listened to this and laughed or learned something and then didn't subscribe, that is akin to stiffing your bartender on a tip or throwing a library book into the river. Yep. Don't do that. Don't do that.
Cut but it out. do. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is fun. I do enjoy doing this, but I also have spent, uh, over half my life doing stuff that's fun that I like doing and not getting paid for it. Yeah. Work doesn't have to suck. You know, we're just trying to figure out a way to, uh, fund, just fund it. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. So, uh, as always, thank you for listening. I'm Steve. I'm Robot. Don't forget to suck it. Don't forget to suck it.